0: Know throughout these summer months, the Revised Common Lectionary, which is the three year cycle of scripture readings that a lot of churches use for worship, and what I typically preach from is that lectionary cycle. In the summertime, it usually focuses on the big overarching stories of the Old Testament. And this summer, it focuses on the And that story is so rich about who King David was and how he did things. You're going to hear me preach about King David, or at least mention King David over the coming weeks. But let's start with a little background about King David. Now remember, the story of the Israelites, the long history of the Israelites, it's really a story about God's people. They had a special relationship with God, and God promised them, Will be my people, and I will be your God. God called them to make their home in the presence of God. The Old Testament is, among many other things, the telling of how that relationship played out over centuries. The people endured slavery in Egypt, and God sent a deliverer, Moses, to freedom. They wandered in the desert for forty years before they were finally allowed to enter the promised land. They developed a system of governance that was based on judges helping them make decisions that were just, helping them to settle disputes and determine right or wrong. Judges that helped them engage with their neighbors, sometimes in war, sometimes. And then the people decided, we want a king. All the nations around us have a king. We want a king. And God was reluctant, but at the people's insistence, God worked for a man named Samuel, who was a judge. And he had been consecrated from his birth to serve God. And Samuel had always done so faithfully. He was not only a judge, he was a priest. A prophet. At God's direction, Samuel anointed Saul to be king. And it was Samuel's task to assure the people that Saul was God's choice for the king that Saul was the best choice to be king over Israel. We don't know exactly how long Saul's rule and reign lasted because scripture is not Entirely clear, but we do know based on the story that Saul acted in ways that did not please God. He overreached, he was a troubled man, prone to fits of rage and deep sadness. And God eventually rejected Saul. That's where we pick up the story today that Teresa read for us. God had determined that Saul was not. Right back to be the And he told Samuel this. And in today's reading, we hear God asking the question How long will you grieve over Saul? I'm a chaplain in a retirement community. God's question to Samuel gets my attention How long will you grieve over Saul? I am in the business of helping folks to. My people of the CRC have some experience with heartache. After all, they moved to that place. They have said goodbye to their homes and their careers and to their younger and more capable bodies. They have said goodbye. know about grief, and they have taught me a great deal about griefing, and what that really is. Grief is not simple. It doesn't wear only one face, but it wears many faces. Sometimes it shows up as profound sadness. Sometimes it is red hot anger. Sometimes it contains blame of others. Grief a lot like fear sometimes. It is not just about the loss of the past or the loss of a beloved person who has died. It's about the loss of the imagined future, of the idealized future. I know some people there who have been little for 20 or 30 years. Life is different from how they imagined it might be. And that for many people, and there is no prescribed time for grief to be over. I hear people tell me that their children or their friends will ask them, How long will you grieve over your loss? as if to say, get over it already. Enough time has passed. But it doesn't look that way. We come back again and again to a state of sadness over what, or who has been lost. There is no getting around it. The only way through it is through it, not around it. The truth is that life is never how we think it will be. No matter how much we imagine what it will look like, we can never really predict how our lives will play out. And I'm not sure that any of us would really want to remove that unpredictability either. If you knew what the future would hold, how would it change how you are living right now? Thought-provoking question, really. If any of us had known what the year 2020 was going to look like, what would we have done differently? nuts. Staff members lovingly provide care and say goodbye to their residents. We follow every rule. We put the needs of others ahead of the needs of ourselves. You have all done it too. You have done that counterintuitive. uncertainty. What will tomorrow's news headline ask us to give up next? What will we have to give up next? And maybe we've not lived in it so gracefully all of the time. Maybe we're mad at the government or the the CDC or the local business owner or the church who we think just threw in the towel and locked up and called it quits. But I'll tell you, there have been no easy answers to this thing. No sure-fire rules that guarantee anything or that please everybody. There is only way to do the best we can. And that is true of every single person and every single organization. We've done the best we could. When God rejected Saul as King of Israel thousands of years ago, Samuel, the prophet, grieved. He grieved for the future that he had worked so hard to cooperate with God and to put into place. He grieved about the unpredictability. I imagine that Saul had called upon all of his credibility. He had called in all of his favors with the people of Israel to accept Saul as their king in the first place. After all, Samuel had it on good authority that Saul was God's choice. But it appeared that even God must shift gears in the face of unpredictability. Samuel grieved. And grief also includes anger. Sometimes that anger is directed at God. How long did you grieve Samuel? God so wanted to know. to the house of Jesse, who had a whole pack of sons, and one of them would be the next king. We know the story, Teresa read it for us. We know that Samuel had to consider each and every one of those men, and inquire with God, is he the one? Nope. Is he the one? Nope. Not that one either. How about that one? And seven times, and no. Finally, they sent for the youngest son of them, the young shepherd out in the field, and God said to Samuel, "It's that." And Samuel followed God's lead. The path had twisted and turned, and eventually led to God's choice for the people, for their king. The pandemic is not over, my friends. I hate to say that. There are yet to be twists and turns how to know how this will all play out. And perhaps we are all in a state of grieving. I know I am. I miss you all so much. I miss Sunday mornings sitting in the pews, watching you come in and find your place here. I miss the noise of the laughter and the rowdy children running around this place feeling right at home. I miss the whisper, the whisperings of the Lord's prayer as we all sing together, our voices melding and rising up to God in unison. I miss studying the Bible on Monday nights and learning one another's stories. I miss the passing of the peace. Where we randomly hugged each other almost out of control for minutes on end until morning in the organist called us back with song. I missed breaking the bread together and tasting the juice and weeping at the communion rail. I and you and all who have known such blessings are grieving right now and have been for months. Perhaps it is time to gather again as best we can. Perhaps it is time for those who haven't come back yet to leave our living rooms and our pajamas and our computers at home and begin to cautiously find our way back into the company of one another. I think it's time to start trying to come back. Get yourself vaccinated so that the most vulnerable among us are protected. And if you don't feel well, stay home. Wear a mask if you feel safer. And don't judge anybody else about the mask thing. We're all doing the best we can. Protect one another. That's first. That's primary. And if you're not ready yet to come back, that's okay. But remember... This is your home, and in spite of all the uncertainty, God is still God, and we are still God's people. Let us begin to grieve no more over what has been lost. Let us reimagine the future in this challenging time. There is life to be lived, and it won't look like we all thought it might. But let's trust that God is calling us always, community. Let's trust that when all is said and done, that what will be spoken of us is that we cherished and sacrificed for one another and that we remember our way home. I pray that you all are well and healthy and moving through your grief. And I pray that soon, very soon, will all gather again together to praise God in his very heart. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let us sing together, bring forth the kingdom. It is found in the faith we sing, number 25, 9,